We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Hi, fans. It's the Big E here to tell you about a fantastic family essential I discovered that will help make this sports pack season a less stressful one for you and your family. It's the Exergen Smart Glow Temporal Scanner Thermometer. It's simple to use, quick, and an accurate thermometer. It's the number one choice of pediatricians and nurses nationwide and even has a backlit display so you can enjoy those night games without waking your sick child. Hey, with this action pack season of sports and back to school, I highly recommend Exergen. Check out exergen.com. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you as always by DraftKings.com. They are the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can use the promo code ROTOHOOPS, that's R-O-T-O-H-O-O-P-S, when you deposit for a free contest entry today. I'm Nick Whalen, joined as always on Tuesdays by my trusty colleague, DJ Trainer. Interesting um, new title yeah. for myself. Trusty colleague, is that not your official title here these days? I get more titles around this office and around the podcast than anybody else. Nicknames, like nobody, nobody likes my name apparently. What was... What was your nickname from last week? You briefly made it your your kind of online uh, yeah. name, and what was it again? I forgot. Ken Kreitz, who does the Friday Pod, he's kind of we call him Uncle Ken. Well, he calls himself Uncle Ken. I call him Uncle Ken. Okay. Um, he just open plead a nickname for me. He did it in his rebound and rant column 
public open plea for me to have a nickname, and I think the consensus was Donkey Jam. Donkey Jam. Donkey Jam. Um, you know, lots just, be, just because of your initials of your first yeah, name. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of creativity. That one hasn't stuck as as well as I hoped it would. I think that was that came from from our own Shannon McCune, and yeah. it only lasted a few days. We'll have to get that going. So what yeah, people- I mean, I'm Nick Whalen. I'm joined by Donkey Jam, uh, also known as DJ Trainer. Um, you know, usually we'd be going through talking box scores. Wanted to mix it up a little bit. Uh, there were several games in the association last night. Uh, we'll touch on a few of those, but what we want to do, today's December 15th, Tuesday, December 15th, and what that means is that players who were signed this offseason, who signed a new deal, are now eligible to be traded. So, you know, there's been a lot of talk as, you know, teams, you know, are almost a third of the way through the season for most teams, and you kind of start to figure out what you have and what, what teams are starting to look like, and basically now's the point where moves can start to be made and you know trades were a possibility before this but again if, if a player signed a deal this past offseason they're not eligible to be traded until today so now is when talks can really start heating up and things can actually start happening um and we haven't seen anything yet of course you know it's only been a few hours but there have been plenty of rumors and we want to talk about some of those we want to talk about possible you know basically make up some trade scenarios and you know kind of suss out who would say no and and you know what what the possible benefits of this would be so i mean guys like brandon jennings names have come up quite a bit he's a guy on an expiring deal dwight howard carmelo anthony um you know plenty of guys around the league basically the entire pelicans roster outside of anthony (laughs) davis so we'll get into some of those uh in a little bit but first of all we got to tell you about a rotowire championship competition that we are running for the remainder of the nfl season qualifiers started last week in week 14 of course this is for the nfl uh, those qualifiers will continue this week in week 15 as well as week 16. Uh, and then those who qualify will be eligible to play in the championship in week 17. The top 31 players from those three qualifiers will all punch their tickets to the championship. And, uh, of course, we'll be posting the link to that on the Roadwire Twitter account. Um, I think it's already out today, and it's been tweeted out basically once a day. So if you want to get in on that, uh, be sure to find the link uh, and definitely join us in what should be a pretty fun competition. So let's talk trades then. Um, well, she knows. Let's let's start with Jay Vieger. That's who I wanted to talk about first. So there were reports yesterday, um, kind of coming from sources that are semi-reliable, I guess. Hoopscritic.com. Uh, what's the name on it? Brian Getzeiler, uh, Geltzeiler, excuse me. Hoopscritic.com, a host on Sirius XM Radio, contributes to some other places. He brought up a report, basically, or, or brought up, uh, for lack of better term, rumors, I guess. A, a league source he tweeted out tells him that Dave Yeager was extremely close to being fired. Of course, this was as of Monday morning. Depending upon tonight's game, the Grizzlies won that last night. Uh, Getzeiler says, or Getzeiler says, you know, the firing could happen as soon as what would have been today. So basically what it was saying is, you know, had Memphis lost last night, had their, their second half struggles continued, Dave Yeager was at risk of losing his job obviously we kind of know he's been on the hot seat this was rumored in the offseason you know it's kind of one of those moves that or one of those rumors that makes you shake your head because of how consistently you know very good that they've been and they, they gave golden state a decent run in the playoffs last year but i i mean is this a situation usually you know from our perspective from an outside perspective when these rumors start flowing in something ends up happening usually right you know it's a situation where you know dave yeager hears this the the organization hears this uh, at some point, these things kind of have to come to a head, whether that means Jaeger's gone or, or they work it out and he stays. 
Right. So right now they're the sixth seed in the West. They're sitting at 14 and 12. The teams are behind, and this is not surprising whatsoever. Warriors, Spurs, Thunders, Clippers, the Mavericks, maybe that one's a little surprising. It certainly is. The Mavericks have played over their head, though, you know? Right. I think. Oh, no, I agree. But coming into the season, like if if we're starting from scratch, if we said the Grizzlies would be the sixth seed at this point, and like we'd say, yeah, that's probably right about where they'd be. And so, yes, they've struggled. Um, but, you know, teams want to be the top. And I, it's just not going to – middling around, losing, you know, in the second round of the playoffs, third round or whatever, for five years just doesn't work in a league like the NBA where you can win coach of the year and still get fired in, in, in terms of uh, a couple years ago in Denver. So, um, of, like, did we really need that report to think that Jaeger would be on the hot seat? Uh, you know, I don't think so. I think if you, you know, if you've paid attention to the league over the last month or so, I think you could kind of see this coming. Um, but at the same time, like you said, the, the Grizzlies are currently a playoff team, you know, and that's what's kind of, I think that's what's maybe a little bit, uh, what catches people a little bit off guard about this is like, they're not the, you know, they didn't get out to the start that Houston got out to or New Orleans or anything like that. I mean, their, their record maybe isn't what, you know, what people expected, but the position that they're in is probably right where we thought they would be. So you know, it's it's a little bit odd. I think you look at you know, maybe you look at the numbers. You know, look a little bit deeper, and that's where the problems come. I mean, I mean they, you know, the plus minus has not been great. The point differentials have not been great. Uh, I think uh, there's there's a stat that does like estimated win projections based on numbers, and and they should be like a basically a well below 500 team, like an eight or nine win team or something. So that you know maybe that that factors into it. And you know they they are an analytical team, and we kind of we kind of label them as one of those grit and grind, you know, old school type of teams, but. They have John Hollinger as their VP, excuse me, VP of basketball ops. So I mean, obviously a guy who's about into his analytics as it gets. So you know, I don't know. I think it's the situation where maybe they're trying to blow this core up and go in a different direction now, rather than kind of stick it out for another year or two and, and kind of dig themselves a bigger hole for rebuilding. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's easier to fire one person than it is to fire your whole fifteen-man squad. So that's yes. that, that's how it works. But I mean, if I could, I would hi- I would fire like thirteen out of the out of the fifteen of the players on this roster because you look up and down and nobody can score. Like Conley's really good; he's one of the most underrated players in the league um, throughout his entire career. I would say Gasol, of course, is Greer or Gasol, of course, is good. Um, but you look at the rest, and there's no score. Like Jeff Green was supposed to come on and be a scorer; it hasn't worked out. Um, Zach Randolph moving to the bench. Tony Allen might be the worst shooter in the entire league. Vince Carter is is past way past his prime. Mario Chalmers has done some nice things, but if you look at this team, there's no scores on this team in a league where um, it's space and pace. Yeah, and I think Michael or Michael Kidd Gilchrist is probably going to take offense to that worst shooter in the league comment yeah. uh, on Tony Allen. But hit yeah, me I mean, up is, on Twitter, MKG. <laughs> this is a team that uh, that ranks in the bottom ten in offensive rating. Uh, they're a team that defensively hasn't been quite nearly where we expected them to be. I mean, their, their defensive rating uh, up close to 107, uh, according to Basketball Reference. So, you know, I, I think it's just a, I think it's an issue where this is an aging roster. I mean, this is a roster that, if you're talking cumulative age, is the oldest in the league on average. Um, and I think management sees that, and you can kind of look at it both ways. You, know, you could say it's still early in the season. Are you sure you want to kind of blow this thing up, whether it means trading off assets or just you know, bringing in a new coach? Um, but, you know, like I said, maybe they're just trying to get out ahead uh, of an inevitable kind of slow collapse and, and try to try to kind of get out in front of it and, and, and make something happen with, what the, with the pieces that they have. 
as a playoff team who's currently the sixth seed in the West. Yeah, in, I mean, in the West, not the East, the West too. Oh, how much do you think the Warriors have to do with this? And what I mean by that is teams see how dominant this team is, and it, do you think it can be almost a little bit demoralizing to look up, even if you're the you know the four, five, six seed like Memphis is, and look up and just say, you know, we know we can't beat these guys in a seven game series if they're healthy. Maybe it's time that we make some changes because it's kind of what we saw when Miami was dominant in the East, you know, four or five years ago at the beginning of that. It was teams, you know, there were some good teams in the East, Indiana. Teams were specifically retooling to beat Miami. And I think that might be what we're seeing. Uh, We might see that trend continue because the way that Golden State is built, this isn't going to be a one or two year thing. This is going to be a, you know, four or five, six year thing. And I think if you're Memphis, you look at how you match up with this Golden State team and just think, I don't know if this is going to work. No, you're you're entirely right, and the Warriors are kind of dictating the pace or setting the pace for where the NBA is headed right now. And so Draymond Green playing the five, uh, you're seeing a lot of teams consider that. We're seeing Jared Dudley playing center out in Washington. That's been because of somewhat because of injury, somewhat just because of trying to make more room for John Wall to work. But I mean, we're seeing them dictate a lot of things, and so yes, it's incredibly intimidating. Um, if anything, I would think the Grizzlies would maybe be somebody who would want to stay, stay true to, you know, the grit and grime, the um, the grindhouse Grizzlies. Just I don't know. Like you can't chase somebody. Like the Warriors personnel, what they have right now is is perfect for what they do. And if everyone tries to copy that, like Steph Curry said a little while ago, you you can try to copy it, but you don't have the personnel we have for it. So that's the thing. You can't if you don't have Steph Curry and you don't have Clay Thompson, you know the two leading three or, point shooters in the league. You just can't. And a guy like a versatile guy like Draymond Green, who can essentially play um, wherever you want him to play. Um, well, right. I mean, what, what does the you know, to get off on a little bit of a tangent? I mean, what do the Warriors do? Everybody knows that you you don't you know, ball screen for Curry up high. Curry, you know, if you don't double Curry, he shoots or goes by you. If you do double him, he flips to Draymond, who always seems to catch it right at the top of the key and just have a wide lane. And you know, it's either take your chances and let him attack the hoop. He pulls up from seven or eight feet, or he kicks it to a wide open shooter in the corner. And Nobody has that kind of decision maker like Draymond Green, and he's so unique. And nobody, you don't have to respect other point guards in the league like you do Curry. There's not a single point guard in the league that you have to hedge out on every single time like you do Curry. And, you know, guys like Lillard and, you know, there are others that you don't want to leave open, but nobody kills you and absolutely kills you over and over like Curry does. Right. And so, like, like immediately when you think of intimidating point guards, um, you just have to stay on. You, you might think Russell Westbrook, but he's not the perimeter shooter that Curry is. Way better driver, um, but yeah, I'm trying. I to mean, th- he is, but Curry, Curry is amazing. I, would, like, I, don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would, I would wonder what their percentages at the rim are. And obviously, Russ seems to take a you know more reckless type of attempts yeah. that are a little bit lower percentage. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we need to. I, I, mean, I think we should make sure we're not underrating Steph Curry's ability to finish and get to the rim. That's something he wasn't known for, certainly for his first three or four years in the league, but. I mean, this is it's getting right. out. I mean, every phase of the game, he's improved at so much. This is just turning into us gushing about Curry again. But I have no shame it about that. It always does. Every podcast, every TV show, it always comes to the Warriors. Do you think he wins Most Improved Player of the Year? I don't think so. I think he wins MVP. Um, I think it's a situation where there'll be some, you know, there'll there'll be some steam about that, whether or not he should. But I think he's also going to somewhat come back down to earth to the point where. He's not. I mean, especially just, after this first loss, like you, well, right. you're letting go a lot of things, and you can exactly. kind of take a breath. But they're still going for that record, right? Like, if, we I all mean, know if they, they are. if they you know pick right back up, and you know, and this really is just kind of a, a minor blip as they come off that seven game road road trip, and they go into the 
all-star break at 34 and one or whatever it would be or excuse me the christmas at 34 and one and they go into the all-star break at you know 46 and two or something and then you know then maybe that talk heats up again but there'll be other guys that it's just going to be tough to give somebody two awards like that you know it's like jj watt a little bit with defensive player of the year mvp and you know it's just it's hard for the you know for the media or for for voters to to give two guy or two awards to one guy like that i think there's a pretty strong precedent yeah you're incredibly right same same precedent has been set going back to russ real quick by the way we talked about him and you know a guy you need to come out on what do you think his career three-point shooting percentage is uh it's not good um career i would say 31 percent 30.5 will round up that's worse than john walls um and the attempts obviously are much much greater i'm not surprised uh, at all for russ is not a good three-point shooter he he does it by brute force is is basically his approach to taking the three-point shot yeah absolutely so nothing to do with curry necessarily but yeah i mean that's just there's just no comparison as far as having to get out there six seven feet behind the line sometimes exactly um all right, so we, we tackled the Jagger thing as much, as well as we could, I think. And I, it always goes to the Warriors. Every conversation we yeah, ever have goes to the Warriors. So. I don't know. I mean, the, one final thought, I guess, on Jagger is the question you always have to ask yourself if you're in this situation is how much better can you do and how much worse can you do than the current coach that you have? And the example I've kind of brought up over the last few weeks is Mark Richt at Georgia to, to kind of make a college football comparison. Georgia fires a guy who's you know been one of the – top 10 for sure coaches in the country you would think over the last 10 or 15 years a guy who's consistently getting you at or near the top of the sec a guy who hasn't gotten you a title but somebody who's always had you in contention for one you fire him you know how much can you do that much better than a guy like that sometimes you can do a a lot worse than you could do better i think sometimes you just need a fresh start and the coaches get complacent um I, it's it's not it's not a bad thing. I think in the NBA there's too itchy of a trigger finger, um, but with the Mark Rick situation, you know, you just need a, a a change of pace. And I don't know if we're quite at that point with Jaeger yet, but uh, in general, like I I understand when when good coaches get fired, you just you just need to spruce some things up. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, especially in professional sports, is um, the players if they've been around there, they just need a new voice. Like they're not motivated, or you know, there's it's the same tricks, and they just need a freshness to come in and revitalize mm-hmm. everything yeah and then you know the college football comparison is a little bit different i mean you're you're much more the face of a program in sure. college football and, and going in a new direction as a coach kind of symbolizes a new direction as a you know as, as a football program but i mean we saw with rick he's fired at georgia two days later he's at miami and i, I think some people were talking about jagger on twitter yesterday morning and said i think somebody raised the question has anybody ever been fired mid-season and then coach another team that same season and and it was brought up i forget who it was on twitter i'm sorry somebody brought up larry brown i think it happened to him he was fired in like like 91 or 92 and then coached another team that same year and like i mean would it be shocking if if another team snapped up dave yeager even if it's in this an assistant type of role no he's gonna he's gonna be fine and that's why i feel okay like if he does get fired or released or whatever um he's gonna be fine he can be a head coach he'll be assistant coach for sure um and you know that's just how it goes Right. I think this is a guy that, you know, I don't think people would view this as, man, he really blew it. It would be, this just wasn't a good pairing at the end. Sure. And you know what? It is like things will be changing for the Grizzlies because they can't keep this specific roster. And you might as well just start from scratch. Essentially, is is the feel I'm getting, um, especially since, to bring it back home, they're the sixth seed in the Western Conference right now, today, on Tuesday. I think it just says, you know, I I think it, it... says a lot about the organization that they're not 
instilling false hope in themselves, maybe, you know. And it, I'm certainly not in fire of, of firing a good, in favor, I should say, of firing a, what I, who I think is a good coach and Dave Yeager. But I think something should be said that, you know, for this team that realizes where they're at right now and realizes that they're probably lucky to be the sixth seed in the West. And, you know, and if you have, like I said, if you have that kind of foresight to know that this isn't going to work, I think some credit is due to uh, to be doing something about it rather than just letting it play out. Yep, you're you're entirely right. And so, I mean, who knows? Maybe ne- we'll this see. time next week we well, could they won be last still night. talking. To- yeah, <laughs> they won last night. So maybe Dave Yeager saved his job with a win over the Wizards. How dare you? Like that is is that, that weird? Actually, how dare? I will say that's one thing I would I don't appreciate is is telling someone that if you do, you know you lose this game you're done. Especially as a coach, like a right. player, like I want to see like maybe you need to get more effort out of him or else it'll be waived. Mm-hmm. That happens all the time with ten day contracts. But as a coach, come on, that's 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 a little a little. Well, grimy. I mean, to be fair, the organization didn't say that. This is like per a you know per a report. Fair. It's not like well, they said I'll say this. I hope like the organization did not. Right. Tell him before the game, win this game, or or you're done. Because that's not a way to treat anybody. But we can. No, no. We've got a lot of good trades to go over. Mm-hmm. Um, let's do it. Yeah, let's do that. We'll we'll skip the box scores again. Last night, plenty of games uh, to take a look at, but you know, just nothing nothing crazy that really stood out. Um, but yeah, let's talk. Let's talk some hypothetical trades. Well, you know, like I said, guys like Carmelo Anthony uh, seem to be somewhat available obviously the Knicks not making him publicly available but he's a name if you're talking about superstars who gets thrown around just about as much as anybody right now Uh, and we're certainly not suggesting that you know that we have any information that he's going to be dealt but you know he and I think DeMarcus Cousins are kind of the two big names that have surfaced over the last few years really pretty much unfounded right I mean have the Kings ever said we're trying to move DeMarcus Cousins not that I can remember the Knicks haven't said they're trying to move Carmelo but there seems to be a belief that both of those both of those guys could be moved at the right price. In fact, the Kings have made adjustments adjustments uh, to keep Boogie happy, and, right. like getting Willie Cauley Stein, or you know, on and on. And so I, w- I w- it's fun to talk about. We'll keep talking about it, but right. yeah, why would you ever want to get rid of Mello, or why would you want to get rid of Boogie? Well, They're two of the best or most fascinating players that we have in the league. The Mello case is a little bit more complicated, I think. I mean, you know, both these guys are superstar players. Boogie, uh, probably. Oh, certainly a more valuable asset right now the off the court issues remain you know somewhat of a concern but I think for me he's shown enough restraint that it's not, I mean he's not going to be a you know a locker room killer at this point you know it's if you if you're upset that he maybe gets ejected twice a year you know that's fine but I also think that considering all the concerns coming in he's handled it pretty well and especially what's gone on in that organization you know I mean for a guy you're, you're throwing a guy into the worst situation in the league a guy with a known temper issue, and I think those two factors combined, like the way he's handled it, has been overall pretty good. No, he's fine. Uh, we're not at the point where, like, obviously there's character issues, but we're fine on him. But I want to ask you about Carmelo. Do you think Porzingis being as good as he is now makes Anthony want to leave more so than before, or stay? Because we know he likes the spotlight. He's not quite getting it as much. I've always gotten the impression from Carmelo Anthony, and I could be dead wrong here, and I apologize if I am, that he's perfectly happy being like an all-star in a good city, um, like being the only guy on a bad team as long as he gets his points. Um, I don't know. As opposed to you know, you know, being like second fiddle to somebody else and, and really reaching for a title. I don't. I don't know if it's fair to say that he's just kind of happy to get his points at this at this time in his career. I think you know you could maybe make a stronger case for that early in his career, especially when he was in Denver. And you know the move to New York certainly had some business motivations behind it, or at least it seemed. But 
I don't know. I think he's turned. I think he's turned the corner at, at the point in his career now where he realizes he's no longer a top five player. Like might, probably not even a top ten player right now. And you know, at, like where would he go and just and just score twenty five a game and win and win twenty three games? I don't, I don't think that seems. I don't. I mean, maybe I'm not speaking for Carmelo Anthony, but I just don't see how. Where's the appeal in that at this point? You know, when you're over thirty years old, you got to win. And this is a guy that's never really been close uh, to, to achieving a title. And I think that's got to be priority number one. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so so where do you think that Melo would go? You've got uh, Bulls is, down here because well, Chicago's been rumored for quite some time Chicago, now. Chicago, yeah. Um, you know, Chicago's where he almost signed in the summer. Uh, that was that was a big part of it. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'd, I don't want to, like, start any speculation as, as if I'm some, you know, authority of trades here. There was, <laughs> well, Nick Whalen said Carmelo's going to the Bucks. Um, well, the, and the other thing about Melo is he has a no trade clause. So it's going to be up to Melo if he wants, you know, like the Knicks, the Knicks can't just deal him. You know, he's going to have to sign off on it. So going off of what I just said and saying that I don't think he wants to just go and be a number one guy on a bad team. I think if, if he's going to be dealt, it's going to be a situation where he thinks he can win. And I think Chicago is still probably that situation. I th- Excuse me. I threw out Carmelo to Chicago for Derrick Rose and or Joe Kim Noah's expiring contract. Chicago obviously would have to sweeten the pot quite a bit on that one. I think you can probably give up Nicole and Miritich. You can give up several picks. Um, I don't know. Is that enough for Carmelo? Part of the thing for New York is you just want to get out under that contract. You know, like you're, you're, you obviously want to get as much value as you can back, but part of the value in that is just not having to pay uh, the rest of Carmelo's contract. Well, the thing is that with Porzingis being as good as he is, you know, maybe you get somebody in free agency next season, and you know, yeah, and I don't even know if and then you'd be a Porzingis really good matters. team in the East. Yeah, if, I think Porzingis. Well, right, but I mean, Porzingis is a building block, uh, but I don't, I don't even know if they need him to get free agents. You know, it's it's still New York, right? There's still Phil Jackson behind that organization. No, I'm just saying that for for Anthony wanting to stay, the fact that maybe in two years they could be a title contender, like a legitimate title contender, if Porzingis is the first step in that direction. Yeah. The thing, the, the thing about that to me, though, is I just don't know if they match up uh, as far as their primes. You know, Kristaps oh, Porzingis isn't course, going to be— but you don't need to do that. Like, you well, don't I think you kind of do. I think Kristaps Porzingis is going to be hitting full stride, you know, assuming he continues this ascent. You know, it's going to be three or four years, right? And at that point, Carmelo Anthony's 34, 35 years old. I think Melo's best years are going to come during Porzingis' formative years. Aren't Melo's best years behind him? Yeah, but his best years, if we're talking like presently, I mean, we can't, yeah. we can't, we can't wind back the clock. But I mean, I think he has what two or three more years of being a, a number two option, probably on a good team. Could be a number one option, you know, depending on who's around him. But if you're asking him, if your long term plan is, you know, we think Kristaps can be ready and be ready and be really, be really, be really, really, that's Melo's age thirty three season. You know, are you ready to paying him twenty six million dollars to be your number two that year? Like, I don't know. And this contract you would think is close to untradeable. I mean, they owe him 22 million this year, 25 million next year, 26 million the year after, and then he has a $28 million player option uh, in 2018-19. I mean, this could end up looking like a Joe Johnson deal, honestly, uh, when it's all said and done, but it's going to have to be to a team that wants to win now. And I think Chicago, the way that they're presently constructed, is kind of that team. Yeah, and if you run the NBA trade machine on ESPN, Carmelo Anthony straight up for Derrick Rose works. Um, <laughs> if you throw like Bobby Portis in there, it still works. So there's, um, assuming that he's willing and able to leave New York, um, he the, could the, go to the Bulls. The Rose thing complicates it so much, and he only has one more year left on his deal, and that's kind of the 
that's kind of the sweet part of acquiring Rose, I guess. One year after this current right. year. Right, one year after this year. And the Knicks have been so bad at point guard that even though Rose has been bad, I think... They Major come, step up. Whether I'm right about this or not, they just seem like a team who would like buy into the name recognition of Derrick Rose. You know, I mean, oh, that, yeah. that buys you something for a while, right? I mean, Derrick Rose in New York, that would be a huge story, even though Derrick Rose has not been a good basketball player for two and a half years. What do you mean? He's an all-star this year. <laughs> but you don't even want to start that. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, do you have any other teams, just kind of looking up and down, that, that you think could maybe be a fit with Melo? And when you're talking about a guy with a contract like this, you can't just throw out any team. You know, there has to be so much salary matching but one deal uh that that was suggested by chad ford this morning uh unfounded as far as what i'm as far as i'm aware this isn't a deal that's rumored to be in the works but it's one that works uh salary wise and he threw it out um and some of these pieces could be adjusted based on salary this is just kind of his projection it would be a three-way deal between the kings the knicks and the miami heat so that would send luol deng chris anderson obviously both filler guys especially birdman Willie Cauley-Stein, Ben McLemore, Ron Butler, and Justice Winslow to the Knicks. So the two big pieces there, obviously, are Winslow, uh, Cauley-Stein, and even Luol Deng, somewhat in the short term. Sure. And then you're sending Carmelo Anthony, Sasa Vujicic, and Clay Anthony Early. Those two guys are filler. Those three go to Miami. And then you're sending Robin Lopez from New York and Tyler Johnson from Miami, both to Sacramento. So for Sacramento, you're just kind of facilitating this deal. You're picking up uh, a defensive center and Robin Lopez, who's on a pretty nice deal, who could be yeah, a piece going forward. Um, and Tyler Johnson, who's been a pretty surprisingly productive player off the bench for Miami. So basically, you're flipping. You're basically flipping Mclemore and Willie Cauley Stein for Robin Lopez and Tyler Johnson. Yeah, like a year. But the bigger story with this deal would be Melo in Miami. Of course. Yeah, of course. I guess. I mean, that's certainly a team that would be one heck of a starting five: Dragic, Wade, Melo, Bosch, and Whiteside. That's. I mean, I think the Heat can already contend uh, like at the end, in the playoffs as it is, um, and then if you're adding Melo to that, then certainly that would be the case. I I think the last two years have been somewhat lackluster in terms of the trade deadline. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And so I don't know if we're necessarily at a point where we're not going to see those blockbuster trades anymore. I think we're due. We're due exactly. So who knows? I. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Hypotheticals are weird to talk about. Hypotheticals are fun to talk about. They're fun I to think. talk about. And that this is such a blockbuster that it would – I mean, it would be crazy to throw Melo into that. And basically, I just don't know if Miami would do that. I think they're they're caught – they're kind of caught in between, you know, the Dwayne – excuse me, the Dwayne Wade, like, net of contention where, you know, you can probably compete for a title with Dwayne Wade as your second or third best player for the next maybe one or more – one or two seasons after this one. I would be more inclined to say one, but basically you're adding Melo to say, we're going to make a run this year, we're going to make a run next year, and we'll kind of reevaluate after that. But it would take them out of the Durant sweepstakes that we all know Pat Riley wants in on. Who doesn't want in on that? He's going to end up just staying in OKC. I, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know what I hope. I kind of don't hope he does. I have nothing against the Thunder or, or really me. no personal feelings about this at all. I, I just kind of want – it's fun when guys switch spots. It's it, it like – I mean, LeBron going to Miami was like – that kept me engaged for the for an entire like three-month period in the offseason. It's not yeah. fun when guys – when the status quo remains. So I guess – yeah, I guess I'm kind of rooting for Durant to leave. I don't care where he goes, but I, I just think it would be a fun mix-up for the league. It would be fun to see Russ get his own team, even if it's only for a year. Yeah, I mean – We've already seen where Russ can't necessarily will a team to the playoffs, so it would be him being like the best fantasy option in the league and a bunch of scrubs on his team, essentially. That's still an interesting team, though. I mean, you got Steven Adams, you got Ibaka, you got Cantor, you got Deion Waiters. 
We do. You, they do. You free up quite a bit of salary uh, with Durant leaving, obviously. I mean, not that Oklahoma City is a huge free agent destination, but playing alongside Russell Westbrook might be. Um, well, I don't know. It could go both ways. Yeah, I think there are guys out there that would love to play alongside Russ, and there are probably some guys out there who wouldn't. Yeah. Like, could you imagine LaMarcus Aldridge alongside Westbrook? Like that, that, no. that off the top of my head just seems like it would not work. <laughs> but other guys, like I don't know. I think somebody with like a, like a similar type of fire – like a Marcus like he's not a big like you know he's not an exorbitant you know emotional type of player, but I feel like he and Russ would be an interesting. Gasol would be good. You know what's funny is that if if Russ and Katie had been playing on two separate teams, we would never pair them two together no. ever in a million years. Right, and that's the thing. I think maybe Russ gets mislabeled as a a bit of a head case sometimes, you know, and a guy who could maybe be difficult to play with. But at the end of the day, he's a hell of a basketball player, and guys in the NBA want to be on teams that have guys like him. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, he wants to win um, at an incredible level, and he puts it out there every single night. And so that is a suspicious level. A suspicious level. Um, And that's um, admirable. Okay, so let's look at some other guys who have been thrown around uh, in these trade rumors. Brandon Jennings. Um, This is a guy. This is a realistic one. Like, I feel like we should legitimately talk about this because I think it's going to happen. I think it'll happen too. I don't. There's really no reason why it shouldn't happen. I think Detroit's pretty comfortable going forth with Reggie Jackson. I think they made that pretty clear by signing to that extension. At the same time, they don't have a ton of depth at point guard. They had Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, but Not I mean, terrible. He's kind of coming into his own. Right. Steve Blake is also Steve there. Blake. You can always pick up Steve guy. Blake. You, know, you can always grab your C.J. Watsons, your Steve Blakes, guys like that off you know, to be your second, third point guard. Um, but, Je- I mean, Jennings on this, on this deal could be a major, major get for a lot of teams. I mean, he's on a three-year, $24 million deal. So he's on the final year of that, making only $8 million, which, uh, you know, with the way the CBA works out is close to nothing. Um, and this is a guy who was really good last year, really, really good, before going down with that Achilles tear. My guess is that we're not going to see him dealt until, you know, he plays a little bit and teams see how that Achilles looks, see how, it, how if at all, his game has changed. I mean, he's a guy that you know, you wouldn't label a high flyer or anything like that by any means, but he he's a guy who relies on his athleticism. I mean, he's, he's a slight build type of guy. He's not a guy who's going to go bully you inside, and he relies on that kind of ability to get in the air and, and kind of contort his body. And if that's affected at all by the injury, then his value declines a little bit. But if you're talking about guys who are on affordable deals who can make a big-time impact for a contender, I think Jennings has to be close to the, close to the top of the list. So – the Jazz, I'm not sure what their cap situation is, but you're you're throwing out uh, Hal Neto. Um, he logged a DNP CD a couple days ago for the first time in his career. He's not an ideal option as a rookie um, who doesn't produce really at all. Alec Burks is playing a lot of time at point guard, and he's openly said, I, I say this all the time, he openly said a few years ago that he feels most comfortable playing at the shooting guard. And, and so there's that, Trey Burke. We all kind of know what he is at this point. I think Brandon Jennings would be an upgrade from Trey Burke if we're getting, uh, like you said, Nick, that that old Brandon Jennings that we're used to seeing. So Utah Jazz would be an interesting one for me, considering um, you know the injury to Dante Exum. So maybe in the short term, and then you use some kind of combination of Exum and, and Jennings in the long term. Maybe just get rid of Trey Burke and Hal Nato go, moves into a third string point guard, which is where he probably should be. Another option, and please kill me for saying this. What about the? What about him coming back home to Milwaukee Bucks? And let's just clear up this point guard situation. Maybe you ditch a couple guys like Grievous and Bayless or or something like that, or Car- Carter Williams gets dealt. Um, Brandon Jennings to the Bucks 
coming home? I don't see it. I, I think that would be a pretty bizarre move. I mean, the the, the teams that are going to go after Jennings are teams that you know want to contend this year, right? I mean, you're, if you're the Bucks, I, I think unless things dramatically turn around over the next month, you're not looking at a team that is capable of really making much of a playoff run. You wouldn't think they would be into signing him long term. You know, I, I think that would be certainly an interesting move. You know, if you if you're ready to move on. Uh, from Carter Williams and and you want to go Jennings? I, I just think he's he's probably best as a backup point guard right now, or just a six, a six man. Oh, most definitely. But and Van Gundy's talked about playing him alongside Jackson too, so we're going to see quite a bit of that. I think once he's back, you know, as they, you know, whether they're trying to audition him for a trade or whether they're trying to win games. I mean, Detroit's in the in the thick of the playoff race right now, um, so. I don't know. I, I think that I would label that one pretty improbable. I think the Knicks are kind of the big team that everybody right. looks to right now. I mean, this this Knicks team is terrible at point guard, and there are, there are a few teams around the league that have issues at point guard. And I'm just trying to look at who they could possibly get back. Like, um, you got to go. Jerry and Grant has to be an option. Like, Clay Anthony early. Yeah. Maybe I think give Derek Williams a whirl or something like that. Just some where guys that seem like they might have a light at the end of the tunnel still. Um, so that, yeah, that would I be think... three options. Kylo Quinn is really good. I like him yep. a lot. And so considering that Porzingis has been so solid for them, they haven't really needed Kevin Serafin or Kylo Quinn to step in and take reliable minutes at power forward. So I think you might be able to see one of those guys move over to Detroit. And we all know that they're just running that, that starting five into the ground. So if they had a reliable option off the bench like Kylo Quinn – Derek Williams, not quite as reliable, but he's at least serviceable where you could relieve some pressure yeah. off of Urson. Yeah, I, I don't know. Derek Williams doesn't seem like a Stan Van guy to me at all. You're right. Um, but, yeah, I think O'Quinn is, is an interesting one. Jerry and Grant, I think, would probably end up being a part of that deal. He would um, have to be. I think he would have to Maybe be. Maybe Langston Galloway? That's possible. That's possible. I mean, he, if he's not dealt, he certainly would see fewer minutes once Jennings is there. The Bulls are another team that needs help at point guard, but – I don't. It's just hard to. It would be hard to bring in Jennings and still keep Rose. And obviously, Detroit wouldn't want Rose back. Um, you know, I think you'd just kind of be adding another body to. It's a pretty kind of muddled situation. You know, how many minutes would end up being available? Would that mean you would just play Derrick Rose like twenty minutes a game? I don't know. I'd, and Jimmy Butler plays so many minutes. It's not like the combination of Jennings and Rose would even be worth it to try it out because. Butler plays so many minutes. Right. Of course, you can shift Butler down to the small forward, but yeah, I just wonder if you could. I don't think I don't think Chicago would do it, but if you could just like flip Miritich for for Jennings, I mean, Miritich would fit ideally. You'd think as that kind of stretch four guy, Van that Gundy Richard would Lewis for Van Gundy. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know if Chicago even even he hasn't been good, but I don't know if Chicago does that. Orlando's another team that needs help at point guard, but I don't know if Scott Skiles wants anything to do with Brandon Jennings. I don't think so. And they they just. They have some assets they could send back. I mean, Eric Aaron Gordon, I think, is one, but are they really, really willing to give him up even though they haven't been playing him that much? I don't know. For- it depends. Well, I say, I'll say this. Um, if Brandon Jennings comes back and he plays, I don't know, 10, 15 games and he proves to be decent or just as good as he was, then he would be worthy of Aaron Gordon, who hasn't quite caught fire like we thought maybe he would depends. coming from Arizona. Well, it, it totally depends. I mean, this is – I mean, you look at the – it depends. It, it, I mean, assets like that are team by team. You know, one team might love a guy where an, who another team hates, and sometimes it works out for one, sometimes it works out for the other. Well, look at the Tobias Harris trade. Like, at the time, that didn't seem – to Bucks fans, it was like, no, why are you trading Tobias Harris for a half season of J.J. Redick? And Orlando, you know, the Bucks clearly didn't value him well enough, and that maybe could be what's going on here in Orlando with Aaron Gordon. Another team sees him and, you know, sees him as a longer-term asset. 
and you know, and it kind of ends up blossoming in a new situation. So I don't know how Orlando feels about Aaron Gordon. I guess the fact that he hasn't been seeing that much playing time maybe speaks a little bit to how they feel about him. But you know, I, I think it's kind of hard to rule out and just say like this team won't trade this guy unless they come out and say that because you never really know. I hope this like get talk. This is getting me jacked. I hope we have so many moves. I yeah. I don't want to get my hopes up. Like you know, like you said, these last couple of years have been pretty uneventful. But you never know. I think Jennings could be interesting in New Orleans, just as kind of a you know, if they want to get out from Tyreek's deal, he's got two years left. Jennings has one deal, one year left. You could you could just swap those two. Um, Tyreek and Detroit. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that is really the greatest fit I, by any means. Drew Holiday, if you want to get out from his deal, which is affordable, so it's not really like you're saving yourself a ton of money and, and Tyreek's fairly affordable too those two guys are almost on identical deals um I don't know I mean it's t- it's really tough to just kind of guess at you know how these guys are valued by their certain teams so we've talked about a few people but uh, I mean we do have some more we, we obviously can go over but I think any like he is the guy that's going to be dealt this season Brandon Jennings feels like the one who he he's gonna go somewhere yeah I think right? I think they're gonna give him a shot I certainly don't think Detroit came into the season you know, obviously he was injured, what, back in January or February, something like that. Like, they they didn't come into the season saying, we're trading him as soon as we can. I, th- I think they're going to give him a look. I really do. I really think Stan Van Gundy is the type of coach that wants to see what he has in this guy. I mean, Jennings was playing really well last year. It's not like he's coming off of a season where he killed them or anything. I mean, I, I think they'll at least give it a shot. And, you know, if if he plays well and it's kind of that third guard with KCP and, and Reggie Jackson and Jody Meeks will be back, you know, and this team starts playing well. I don't know if they'll necessarily deal him because he is so affordable, and you know, you can you can either re-sign him at what could end up being a, a pretty reasonable deal this summer, or just let him walk. And you know, at that point, you lose the possibility of returning an asset. But he's also not the type of asset that's going to let you bring in a big, big time talent. You know, for the future, you're going to be getting someone who's probably pretty similar value. Yeah, a couple years ago, um, the Thunder there. They were kind of, you know, obviously they've always been in the playoff race for the last few years. And they asked, they asked, um, wow, I can't, who's the GM of the Thunder? I can't believe I Sam just. Sam Presti? Yeah, Sam Presti. They asked him, like, are you going to make any moves, blah, blah, blah. And it was when Westbrook was hurt. And he's like, no, we've got the best free agent coming back to us after that. And this might actually be a case where Detroit probably needs another piece um, to supplement how much they've been playing. They're starting five, and you realize that, well, maybe Brandon Jennings is their best available, quote-unquote, free agent out right, there. Right, that's what I'm saying. You know, so, it's like you look at the Kevin Love situation where he was on an ex, you know going to be an expiring deal and like they needed to trade him because he was going to walk. Like, you're not worried about that with Brandon Jennings. You're not saying, like, man, we got to flip this guy or he's right. gone this summer. You know, exactly. it's, like, what, it's like, what are you going to get back? You're gonna, you can get something good back, but are you going to get something that's you know noticeably better for the future and maybe you can if you can get a guy like Aaron Gordon or you can get a guy if, if you like Miritich and Chicago's willing to part with him maybe that is better value going forward but you also got to consider the value that he can bring your team when you're trying to make the playoffs so another guy I think that legitimately could be moved Joakim Noah yeah there's lots of destinations for him yeah and I think he would I, we, fit we came in up great a lot of places yeah I think yeah, I think if New Orleans kind of decides to to let this season go to the wayside, I think we could see them maybe be willing to take on his salary. I think it was at thirteen million this year, and then he's and then he's expired. You know, that's a situation where they could use that uh, that Noah salary to maybe balance out a deal where they flip Tyreek to Chicago, which I think is very very interesting. A guy who can play three positions for them. Eleven point three million. Eleven point three. Oh, whoops. Nope. That's sorry. That's from twenty twelve. I'm not sure why. Oh, I think it's, gave I would me think that. it's right around thirteen. Yeah. Either way, it's it's close to that. I think. What do you think about the the potential fit of of Tyreek in Chicago? 
I like it. Um, Tony Snell will become irrelevant, um, essentially. Yeah. Doug McDermott. Uh, the thing is that he can play so many spots. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Mir- yeah, where would you want to play him? Because you're, you're maybe him and Butler switch between small forward and shooting guard or something like that. Well, that's the that. thing. Chicago is so is like on paper they're so stacked that there's like there's right. not these opening. They don't have like a glaring need other than point guard. I think maybe Bobby Tyreke Portis plays there. like everyone right. agrees that he's one of the best. Maybe going to be one of the better right. rookies from this class, and he hasn't even seen. Any I'm going to be interested to see if they're willing to part with him to sweeten a deal to to get somebody to take Noah or even Rose. Well, the thing is that like Powell is only has a couple years, and then Taj Gibson is you know he's over the hill too, and so. I think Portis will come into Powell. it eventually, so I, I would be surprised if they get rid of him. And I well, think they're just kind of they're easing him into it. How you would ideally ease any rookie into any situation, pretty much. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think they just kind of have too many guys. I, I don't know if it's necessarily an indictment <laughs> on Porter. It's just you know you, you're not going to play him over Taj Gibson and Noah and Gasol. I, we weren't I think expecting Miritich to be this good so quickly. Well, he's actually, I mean, he hasn't been that great, but right. I mean, I don't think. I don't, I don't know, though. I mean, I think people, I think this isn't like crazy. I think what he's doing right now, it's probably below expectations for this season. Um, I mean, this isn't a guy who came directly out of college. I mean, he was seasoned overseas. I mean, when, when was he drafted? Like 2013? It was a while back. Yeah, this I mean, is he's, only... he's been in waiting. Yeah, I mean, right. Yeah, I think, I think between Gibson, Noah, and Gasol, all three of those guys could be traded. I, not all three of them will be, but, you know, one, one or two of them certainly could be. I don't think any of the three are off limits by any means if the right deal presents itself. So I don't know. I, I don't, it's hard to see the bulls like kind of blowing it up this year because There's they are still in right. The East. Exactly. Like, but it, but it's also that same thing like with Memphis and they're not quite, they're certainly not in the same position as Memphis, but it's also, if you look at the numbers, they haven't been good. They've been bad in wins and they've been like pretty good in losses, which is usually a fairly good sign. Um, you know, as far as your, your team's not, vacillating like crazy you know these crazy swings you're a pretty consistent team but if you look at it and say i just don't know if we can beat cleveland i don't know if we can beat miami with this current roster maybe that inspires you to make a couple bigger moves well the thing is that if they make moves it'll be in preparation to take on the cavaliers right yeah i think think the way the Cavs are built they're i mean Kyrie's locked up lebron's conceivably locked up kevin love's locked up this is going to be their team this is going to be their core for the next four or five years right I, yeah, I guess I guess we'll see. No, but where would you? So you're thinking that Noah is more of a candidate to go for a salary dump than anything else. Not necessarily somebody would actively seek to uh, put him. I think, I think some a, teams would. Maybe like Zaza has been pretty Houston? good in. What about flip him straight up for Ty Lawson? And then you have Capella, Howard, and Noah as your third big. Yeah. Ooh. There's reports today that Howard maybe wants out of Houston. Well, there's no reason to have Ty Lawson on the roster anymore, right? Yeah. And Beverly's healthy. Why not? If Terry you're Chicago, like, why not? Like, you'd, he would be an ideal guy to throw into that point guard mix, I feel like. Even though, I mean, he's been terrible, so maybe not ideal, but he's, like, a proven, very good NBA player. And For Houston, that makes a lot of sense to me, but I we're already seeing where Lawson, I don't know... I don't know how that would work. Well, with, both of these guys' Rose. values have like somewhat bottomed out at this point. You know, Noah maybe not quite to the degree that Lawson's has, but I also I don't think it would be it would be more of like big name for big name uh, as opposed to 
this is super cliche, but like big game for big game, you know, it's not, it would seem like a blockbuster deal. But then if you look at the numbers, it's the equivalent of like trading bad role player for exactly. other bad role player. Exactly. You know? And it's just, they just happen to have big salaries. So I think that's an interesting one to throw out. I think you could do Joe Kim Noah plus a pick. Chicago has its own pick. Plus they have a protected Sacramento pick this year. So they'll probably be willing to part with one of those. It's not a situation where they're going to be picking way at the top anyway, with that Sacramento pick being protected. What if you do Joe Kim Noah plus one of those picks for Rodney Stuckey or George Hill, probably you throw Solomon Hill in there as well to Indiana. They need yeah, help in the front court. They need help. Uh, obviously, rookie Miles Turner is out. Jan Mahimi continues to start. He continues to be an NBA starter. Jordan Hill. They're not tanking either. And they're not That's taking. The thing. They're, That's, they're exactly. a team. If you want to ask me a team that I think could bring Noah in and, and make him a big contributor or at least a you know top rotational guy, I think they're, the Pacers are one of them. But here's the thing: is like. They play each other four times a year, and they could yeah. potentially see each other in the playoffs. And giving Noah to the Pacers would legitimately make them a better team. And I don't know if you would be willing to strengthen like one of your fiercest rivals. Yeah, yeah, but you're also. You, I mean, the point is you're getting back guard help, which is what you need. You're taking back Stucky or George Hill, and I, I don't know if either of those players. Stucky, I'm probably sure would be available. George Hill, I don't know if, if they'd be willing to part with them. But you're also you think. If you're Chicago, you think you're making yourself better too, and you're getting out from Noah's money. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's these are these are just ideas. I don't know if either. No, of these I teams agree. Would be like, if I'm Indiana, I do the deal in a heartbeat. But I think you ha- you have some major reservations if you're Chicago that you're strengthening yeah. somebody that you would directly see in the playoffs. Right, but if you're Indiana, you're also you know you're losing one of your top three guards too. That's the problem. So you said Stucky Hill and I think Solomon Hill goes either way. I think Indiana's is done with him. Okay. He could be a throw in if you need for salary matching. And, and I think, you know, Rodney Stucky or George Hill could certainly help that Chicago backcourt. What about Toronto for Joe Kim Noah? Oh, there you go. Yeah. Valentunas is hurt. Bismack Biombo is Bebe is a little young yet. They could use it. Like, do you want to be playing Luis Scola 30 plus minutes? The answer to that is no. You sign Who do you send Where back? Who do you send Ross? back? Ross? Like, they don't want Terrence Ross, do they? Yeah, that's a problem. If, if we're going to go down the same it's train just, of thought where we need guard help, they they don't have anybody. I think Chicago, like, would want to pick, right? Like, who – like, they have these Chicago young Chicago would love that, Corey like, Joseph, but you didn't just yeah, acquire Corey yeah. Joseph for, for no reason. Yeah, you're not doing that. And, and again, they, they have Derrick Rose, who they kind of, like, whether they like it or not, they kind of have to play him. And, like – it's hard. It's, they just don't have a positional need. Like the Knicks, they need a point guard. Um, you know, like Indiana, they need front court help. Like Chicago has guys everywhere. So maybe maybe they end up making a deal where they package some of those assets to kind of clear room on the roster. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Another name that's been thrown out quite a bit, um, Markeith Morris. I think he gets dealt. He's right up there with Brandon Jennings as far as guys who I think are most likely to be dealt. I think I would make Markeith Morris the most likely guy uh to be dealt I, mean, I think this is we talked about this in the off season and i think we all predicted this right i mean anybody who saw how it went from i'm not coming to training camp i'm not playing for this team and then one day it seemed like the switch just flipped and it was oh yeah everything's good now yeah i'm playing um four straight dmp cds uh five dmp cds in his last six six dmp <laughs> cds in his last eight um i don't know i mean this situation there to Phoenix's credit, they haven't let this, you know, get out of hand. You know, right. it hasn't been a media circus or anything. And part of it is it's Phoenix and it's Markeith Morris and it's not, you know, it's not Chicago and Derrick Rose or anything like that. But yeah, you know, this is this was a long time coming. I think the you know, the decision to trade Marcus Morris 
never really I think that goes it's pretty obvious that it never sat well with him and it was always suspicious to me how quickly he seemingly got over it you know and I think Hornacek wants him out and I think John Luer has been good enough that they feel like you know we're not a contender in the west this year but we can still be a very viable very good basketball team you know in the mid to bottom section of the western conference with John Luer on this team and you know not Markeith Morris a guy who I don't have insider information on this but I would bet that guys probably like playing with John Luer a little bit more than they do Markeith Morris for attitude and just general basketball reasons yeah and it's a shame with Morris in terms of fantasy because he I was really expecting him to come into a top 30 in all honesty because he helps out across the board so you know if if you're kind of hanging on to him now like if you can if you can bear it wait until he gets traded if he gets traded it, it seems like he's going to and then if he moves into a spot where he's got minutes he'll be he'll be a nice surprise or maybe acquire him now I mean could he reunite in Detroit reunite with his brother in Detroit that'd be Maybe. interesting I think would I mean, you he do would be um, a great seemingly a good Brandon fit. Jennings for Markeith I don't know if the Suns would do that you know like hey they hey they love having too many point guards they've proven it in the past yeah but I think they I think that when they traded Isaiah Thomas and traded Goran Dragic that was them saying okay we tried it and it didn't work like why would you why would you try that again it did it didn't work for them last year I think they have two good guards that they like I think they have some guards off the bench that they like too I mean a one-year rental of Jennings wouldn't – I wouldn't rule it out necessarily, but I think Marquise Morris is a good basketball player. And his, his really character good. issues have kind of damaged his value. Yep. But I also think they'd probably like to get back an asset as opposed to a rental, especially in a season where they're not contending. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I mean, some of the names I threw out there, it, it, these, all, these are all uh, deals that would work on the trade machine. You could do Marquise Morris for Jeff Green. You could do Marquise Morris for Jennings and a pick. In, in that situation, Detroit would send its first rounder. If I'm um, Phoenix, I'd want to get a pick out of this. Yeah. I think that's where I there's not really anybody out there necessarily you, that I would well, I would want. What about Ryan Anderson? Oh, yeah. Ryan Anderson in that system? That's a good one. Um are we assuming that TJ Warren is going to take over as the lion's share of minutes holder for over yeah. PJ Tucker at some point? Uh, Otherwise, you might like want to look at small I think, I think they like having PJ Tucker as that glue guy since it worked out fairly well for him. The thing about Anderson is he's unrestricted after this year, so it kind of goes back to the whole like you know, maybe maybe if if Morris's value kind of, I think that would be a trade that maybe New Orleans would be willing to take a risk on. Whereas Phoenix, maybe if it gets to the point where they're just like, we want to get rid of this guy, they'd be willing to take on a deal like that. I thought maybe you well, send Markeith and Mirza Toledovic, who you would need for salary reasons, you send them to New Orleans to get Eric Gordon. I mean, remember he wanted to go to Phoenix three four years ago, and, and that deal ended up uh, being matched by New Orleans. So I think that's certainly something that you know Eric Gordon, a guy who's struggled a bit and has kind of had an ill-defined role in New Orleans I think that's something he would be interested in let's think bigger let's think packaging Markeith Morris and Tyson Chandler because why would Tyson Chandler want to be with this team right he's 33 years old he can help out on a championship team he would be up for for a move and so maybe we're looking at the Bulls you get Miritich back, Ooh. you get Noah back, Ooh. something like that. I, I, that's that would be that's what I'm looking at. Ballsy, <laughs> if you're the Bulls and you're bringing in Markeith, I don't know. That's that's something. That's actually not that's not the worst idea at all. I, I like that. I like the packaging. I don't like necessarily Chicago, but I like the packaging of those two. I mean, what if you? Whew, I don't know. There's that keeps telling well, that runs up, through the trade machine. Well, no, I mean that just opens up so many options because of the the Chandler contract. You know, Marquis on a on a cheap deal, so there's only like, you know, so much you can do with that as far as salary matching. But yeah, I mean the Chandler deal always seems sus- not suspicious. It just seemed odd. You know, it was kind of like a 
they went all in on LaMarcus and didn't get him. And then you're just like, oh, man, like Tyson Chandler's 33. Wait, what? Like, how? <laughs> oh, no. How long do we sign him for? Four years? Oh, my God. Like, that, like at that point, it was like that, this would have been a great-looking front line had they got Aldridge. Now it's just it's that thing I talked about earlier where his prime doesn't match up with what's going to be the rest of this team's prime. And I certainly think he would be available. I mean, he's having his worst statistical year in like a decade. Right, so that trade works. Tyson Chandler, Markeith Morris for Joaquim Noah. I I know I say Noah's first name different every time I say it. I'm I'm very aware of Joachim. that. Joaquim, 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 uh, and Miritich. That works two for two. But like you said, like <sighs> Noah going to Phoenix on one year deal, unless it's like a, I don't know. No, I, that, I don't know. Phoenix no, that, has no one. Yeah, but that gets them out of the, the Chandler right. deal. That's the point. Exactly. Maybe Chicago throws in a pick. Well, the straight, yeah, obviously it never seems to come out where it's just like two players for two players. There are always money and cash considerations and picks involved for whatever reasons, but I like that trade a lot. I think that works for, for both teams. I don't know why the Bulls would want to stick on to Noah. I think he can only cause problems with them moving forward. You know, if we're in the playoffs and he's on the bench and it's just not going to bode well, you need to get That's... him out of there, especially, you know, you might as well get something back for him when you're probably going to mm-hmm. lose him in free agency this coming season anyway. That's yeah. That's a very interesting one. I do like that. I I don't know. I'm trying to think like what would Phoenix be down? You know, would they be down to trade Tyson Chandler? Why? I I mean to get out of the contract that you just complained about, and they don't. Alex, I mean Alex. I just don't know that they hate. Maybe they like having him around. You know, like I mean, I think from our perspective, it's like yeah, of course you don't want this deal on your books, but he's also like. You know, he has a reputation as being such a great glue guy. He's still a good player. Like, his numbers might not show, but he's still a, a force defensively at the center spot. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think you could – I think that deal is very intriguing because of the cap space that it clears. I think this is a team that's shown that they're major contenders in free agency. You know, they're not a huge market team, but they're in, in an appealing destination, and they, they're players on, on the free agent market. So clearing that space wouldn't just be a – you know, when it, it would have – um, ramifications you know I think they would they would go after somebody like Duran probably wouldn't get him but they would go after him right yeah oh man that's gonna heat up um we're kind of up against it is there anybody else that you want to chat on before um, we forgot to tease it but we're pretty much just gonna do trivia at the end of every show and yeah. and we're gonna do some more yeah, of I think that. that's gonna keep going it's been fun um you know like you said we'll you know we'll keep it going and we'll we'll try to do it in a way that Basically, the questions aren't going to be easy enough that we're going to know them right away. So it'll allow you, to, if you're listening, it'll kind of allow you to play along, hopefully. So, you know, if that's if it if it works, that's great. If you know if we're doing it incorrectly and you guys aren't able to kind of play along yourself, then let us know and we'll find a way to make that work. There is a pause button on pretty much everybody's player. That's true. Just in case you that's need a, extra time. Yeah. So no, you, you, guys, you guys know how to use the pause button. They're opposable for a reason. Um, yeah, I just, I'm just thinking now about this Tyson Chandler stuff. It's so you intriguing. Like it? I, I'm, I can't wait to screenshot this and tweet it out when we're done with this pod. Yeah, do that. I actually want to end the pod right now and just tweet it out. What about those two to Indiana? I don't know who you'd send back. Basically, you'd have to like toss in a bunch of guys, and they don't have that many assets. But which I mean, two? Like, Chandler and Markeith to Indiana. I mean, like, I don't, who could you possibly send back? But that's that's just like a thought that's popping into my head. Boston would be interesting with those guys, but I don't think they really want to do that. Do you think they're gonna let's let's close here on Boston just because they have so much to work with with lots with lots of picks they'll probably be right in the middle of the pack with their own pick but of course they get the Nets pick which is gonna be just great for them um, and cool. then they have they have essentially three picks um, additional picks over the next three years to work with do you think that they're gonna be heating things up in the free agency they're market the, they're gonna be the team that with? people mention with cousins because they, they have those assets they yeah. have they have the war chests that other teams don't have 
Great way to put um, it. And that's that's just kind of kind of be it. And they were rumored for Cousins last year. There was there were times where it seemed like you know maybe this is something that could actually happen. No one really seems to know if Boston actually wants him. Like every it just every, it works on paper and you know it's it's fun to talk about. But like Boston's never really made any indication that they really want him. And maybe they don't. Maybe they do. We'll find out. But that's kind of where I stand with him. What about Markeith to Washington? They're a team that needs something. They're a team that wants to win now. They're not ready to blow anything up. Obviously, the Brad Beal thing maybe changes that somewhat. Not that they want to blow anything up, but like maybe that just changes their expectations. You know, if he ends up being ruled out for extended, extended, extended period of time, then maybe you have to reassess. I don't know, um, but I think that would be interesting. They seem like a team that would be kind of desperate and say, like, you know, we know this guy's got character issues, but he's a good player, and we'll see what happens. Well, yeah, especially when you're running out Jared Dudley. Um, right, they just don't really have the happen. assets either. Yeah, unless they, wanna, unless they want to, unless they want to deal Otto Porter. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think they do. I think he's been pretty good. He um, has been solid. Well, Memphis. I mean, they're kind of re- restart <laughs> things. Uh, but let's just go through all every yeah, team well, in the association. Well, that's the thing where about, will Markeith go? About throw about packaging those two. It like comes out to like near max to the point where you could just, like make almost any deal work when you're when you're coupling Morris and Chandler. Um, so yeah, I mean, many plenty of scenarios there. Um, Matt Barnes would just be an amazing oh, influence on. What if things break? What if things break down even more in Sacramento, and you go those two and like <laughs> T.J. Warren for Boogie? Um, or even you could even do like Knight, Markeith, Warren, and you know pick three of these four: Knight, Markeith, Warren, and like Booker for Boogie for Boogie. Phoenix gets the Cavs pick plus their own. So you'd have Boogie, Bledsoe, and Knight as your core, mm-hmm. and then you'd still have Chandler around. Right. You can, and you could swap out Chandler and I like that team for a Knight or something. I don't yeah. I would like would that. Would that be team interesting? I don't know. I, I would I would but I'd, I wouldn't do it for Sacramento. If I'm Sacramento, i I'm constantly on you the phone with Bledsoe. Boston. Oh yeah. But the thing is, you know, you talk about these guys or coaches, you know, like Cal Perry's a cousins whisperer and John Wall and Cousins are like Bledsoe was on that team. They, you know, they were right. college teammates. I don't know. I mean, they're from the same state. They played. They grew up playing together. Um, it could happen. I don't know. But well, we should move on. I'm getting. I'm getting way. We, uh, way we got real hypothetical and yeah, that and was fun giddy. though. I think that was that went better than I thought it would. I'll say that because I wrote my notes were so scrambled that I was like, oh, we're gonna be all over the place. But no, I think we. Whether these, I mean, chances any of these happen, probably not great. But I think they were all like at least realistic things that are fun to talk about. For sure. Um, real quick, before we jump into the trivia, if you'd like to check out our content on rotowire.com, you certainly can have free 10 days of trial access. Just go to rotowire.com forward slash pod. That's all you have to do. That's rotowire.com forward slash P O D. So, Nick, we're going to close out every show with trivia. This time around, it is my turn. You did a, you've done a great job. I've done a pretty solid job, too. Thanks, Doggy Jam. Um, Let's keep it going here. Um, I got a little historical, and um, I'll ask a couple of these questions, and then I will reveal the. Uh, we'll talk about Jay Adonde's bomb, Twitter bomb that he released yesterday. But first off, here's the question: uh, In 1954, the 24 second shot clock was first used during an NBA scrimmage in Syracuse, New York. A short time later, of course, it was implemented in the NBA, quote-unquote, saving basketball from the stall tactics, which caused games to be overly boring to watch. So, how many points per game did league scoring rise during the first season of the implementation of the 24-second shot clock? So, essentially, what you used to have is team would, a team would go up by four points, and they would just 
play monkey in the middle for the rest of the game? Hmm. This is a very tough question. <laughs> I didn't. I haven't done my research on the nineteen fifty four. Uh, state of the NBA. I, I don't know. I feel like it would be pretty dramatic, right? Uh, 20 points per game. That's a good guess, and that's probably where I would go. It was only 13.6. What? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I mean, that sounds about right, I guess. Now, when that's you say it like that, yeah, I should have guessed 13 points. That was going to be my next guess. Yeah. Shame on you for not knowing that. <laughs> uh, bonus question. Uh, do you know why they came to 24 seconds? Like, why oh, did that just come out of thin air? Isn't it like a math thing with this? It is. Oh, what is it? Okay, this 48 is 48 minutes per game. Uh, I, know, I don't know. I don't know. I just know it's, some, there's, it's math-based. It's not just like some random number. Okay, so there's 2,880 seconds in an NBA basketball game, and they divided that by the average of shots per game at that time, which was 120, and you get to 24. So... It's essentially an arbitrary number considering it was taken by the average amount of shots taken in 1954. Okay. And that's how we settled on that. So there's trivia and a history lesson. Let's keep things more topical with these next two. Al Jefferson is currently serving a five-game suspension for breaking the league's anti-drug policy. But is he allowed to practice with the team during the suspension? Yeah, he's practicing today. Yeah, shame you, shame on you for having he's a computer. Yesterday, and, he's practicing today. Yeah, of course. Yep. All right. The African Basketball League will be launching this Wednesday, aka tomorrow. How many teams are in the league? Mm, eight. Good guess. There's there'll be six. Uh, Three in Lagos, one in Dakar, one in the Ivory Coast, and one uh, in Gabon. Gabar, yeah. Gabon. Gabon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course. We all knew that. Uh, so that'll be fun. Um, I wonder if that'll be on League Pass. African League Pass? Yeah, I'd be African down for that. I don't know. I'll be, I'll be rooting for the Ivory Coast. I mean, the, I don't follow international soccer at all, but I've always, I've always had an affinity for that Drogba guy. Yeah, he's good. He actually plays uh, in Montreal in the MLS now. Oh, no way. Yeah, there Very you cool. go. Um, I knew I'd sneak in some MLS stuff <laughs> in this pod one way or another. All right, so as I tease, Jay Adande released uh, a link to the, one of the best links all season, I would say. Just a, a log of all the fines and suspensions that we've had since what year is it? It was 1991 or 94 or something. Something like something that. Like this. Early and 90s. there's some good detail and some stuff that I was never aware of. Um, but go check it out, Jay Adande's Twitter. You can find it. So the next, these next questions will be inspired by me and Nick spending copious amounts of hours reading over that report uh how much in fines how many monies in fines did the raptors have to pay for drake stating during one of his concerts that canada would welcome kevin durant that happened in august of 2014 remember that was that was was a lot right i mean it's a tampering thing right because he's officially on the he is he's on a, the payroll. He's an he's ambassador. A, he's a global ambassador for the Raptors. For, for the Raptors. So it's not he's, it's not just the fans saying this. He's literally a part of it. So it counts as basically anybody in the organization saying that. Yes. I'm going to say a hundred thousand dollars. Wow, you went over, but twenty five thousand oh, dollars. Okay, that's not so hundred thousand totally dollars is more of like the the Van Gundy and Cuban range. Um, and I would know because, like I said, I read that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Not the whole thing. Um, I think I tweeted out a link to that, too, if you're looking yes. for Obviously, Jay Adande, who has a few more followers than both of we do. Uh, both Not of us for do. long, though. No, we'll get there. Uh, he tweeted it out, and basically it was kind of in 
it was in the discussion of the Rondo situation and just kind of where fines have been over the years. And there, there's so many interesting things in there. Oh, what was yeah. the one of them that I found particularly interesting as a as a Latrell Sprewell historian? First thing I did was like, oh, I got to search Spree's name and see what happened here. <laughs> his name appeared 29 times. Some of them was <laughs> it was just crazy, but so, his name was in there 29 times. The, the word Sprewell. Sometimes it was like twice per line, but still, he was in there a ton. Uh, on December 7th, 2004, the NBA suspended Latrell Sprewell, this is when he was with the Timberwolves, for one game for, quote, yelling a sexual vulgarity at a female fan during Saturday's Minnesota uh, versus Los Angeles Clippers game. <laughs> I think Come you on, ha- man. Like, what, what does that even mean? I don't want to know what it means. I, yeah, I don't even want to try to think of all the George Carlin seven dirty words or whatever <sighs> you got to say. Um yeah, this it's just been so much fun, and you are a resident Latrell Sprewell. I think experts. that's actually in my you have it on our yeah. yeah. We have like our messaging service like in office, and yeah. instead of saying NBA editor like everyone else would, he has Le- resident Latrell Sprewell expert, I something mean, like that. Because it's accurate. Yeah, it, it's very true. All right, let's keep this moving here. Um, in December of two thousand and five. You actually tweeted this out, but I don't know if you remember them. So here we go. In December of twenty or in December of two thousand and five, the NBA fined thirteen players for wearing their pants too long or their shorts too long. Um, the league, of course, at that time, I guess, had a rule requiring shorts be at least one inch above the knee. So, Nick, can you name five of those thirteen players? I did. I don't think I tweeted this out, but I remember reading this. I think I might have. Just kind of linked it. Well, to the cool thing is that, like, basically, just pick your bad boys of 2005, and they're on this. Well, list. I do remember one of them off the top of my head. I and I, I will and say the I, baddest I, of all, right? Kyle Korver. Yeah, <laughs> which he did used to wear baggy shorts. I think he still does, kind of. You can especially tell with the, when the Hawks wore their, wore their throwbacks last year. I remember, I remember watching that game and thinking, like, pull those up a little bit, man. But let's see, it was it was like Bobby Jackson, one of them. I think I remember seeing that name. This might be too light for Jackson. No, um, th- I mean this is. This is tough. I don't know. Um, well, just think of some bad like, boys from Iverson? 2005. Yes, okay, Iverson, Iverson is one. Um, I don't want to say bad boy. I'm just thinking guys who wore baggy shorts. J.R. Smith? No. He might not have been in the league. Carmelo? No. Um, let's see. How about hmm, KG? He always had baggy shorts. Well, I appreciate you giving the listeners lots of time to... Yeah, I mean this, this is one. this is trivia. This is just like guest guys. Yeah, um, that's I true. don't know. Stephen Jackson. Yes. Okay, so that's three. That's three. Uh, you can do it. I, I think I can do it. Who wore baggy shorts? Kobe. No. No. Uh, Pistons didn't really. There's one, two guys that are playing in the league. Well, one guy that started, he got waived, um, is on this list, and there's one guy Wait, like this year. Yes. So there's someone who started for a team and got waived, and then there's somebody who's a backup player. Karan Butler? No, but that's a good guess. Seems like he'd wear long shorts. Um, Baron Davis? No, he was, he was going to wear short shorts, I think about it. I don't know. Who, who All right, I'll name him off. So, so Nate Robinson was on this list. Mm, um, short guys being targeted. Yep, exactly. He was waived, of course, by the Pelicans after just a few games. Andre Miller is... Someone who you, yeah, it's okay that he didn't get it. Some of the bad boys I was referring to, like you said, Stephen Jackson, Jermaine O'Neal. <laughs> um, uh, who else? So the the remaining list: uh, Stephon Marbury, of course, John Salmons, uh, Salmons, Kevin Ollie. Um, shout out to UConn. 
Jamal Tinsley, Jeff McGinnis, Vashawn Lennard, and Demar Johnson. <laughs> Vashawn Lennard. Um, how many of those guys were on the on the Pacers at the time? Like, yes. was, Jeff, was Jeff McGinnis on the Pacers back then? Um, well, O'Neal was. Tinsley. Jackson was. Tinsley. Yeah. So essentially, we had. I think those those pinstripe shorts they were wearing back then must That's have maybe, maybe it was an it elongated. Yeah, it elongated. You're right. Them. Good call. Um, All right. Okay, let's go. We got two more. Yeah, two more, I guess. Um, so you already named this one, but I'll just say it anyway. The NBA fined Cleveland $150,000 and suspended coach John Lucas for the first two games of next season in May of 2002 for including what high school junior in a voluntary team workout? Man, I can't think of who that would be, man. Who is it? Who would have been a senior in the Cleveland area? Junior. In a junior. Well, right. No, but who would have been a senior in 2003 who would have been draft eligible in the Cleveland area? They had the number one pick that year. All right. This pot it is already to, running long. So it just had say to be Wally. Now, LeBron. LeBron James. Yeah. Good job. LeBron James, the, the player for the for the Cavs. Hey, I don't make fun of your questions. <laughs> in fact, if you I, want well, to roll the tape you, back, I applauded you I for saw, your questions. Because they were good questions. When I, this, is not a, this isn't a bad question, by any means. But when I saw this, I was like, it's, it's almost too obvious. I'm thinking, like, when was Big Z drafted? <laughs> like, he, he didn't grow up in Cleveland, did he? <laughs> Maybe he did. Um, um, but, yeah, LeBron. Yeah, you got I don't it. remember that happening. I also don't remember John Lucas being the coach of the Cavs. But Neither great. do I. There's also some good Durant stuff in there where there was multiple fines handed out for talking about Durant while he was in college. Yep. Um, I do remember that. Yeah, there, yeah, multiple teams, like maybe a collection of two hundred fifty thousand dollars because mm-hmm. of Durant. Uh, last two questions: Have these players made their NBA debut yet? I only have two. Um, Des Wells, former Maryland Terrapin. No, no, you're right. He has not made his NBA debut. He was waived by Oklahoma City earlier in this year. He's currently though playing for the Oklahoma City Blue, the worst Great named team, team in Great the D League. They should be back in Tulsa playing in Bixby. Shout out to the people who get that reference. Um, Thanasis Antetokounmpo. He's been, he's been on the bench. I don't think he's played, has he? Nope. He has not made his NBA debut. In fact, he was waived by the Knicks, I believe, and now he's playing for the Westchester, Westchester Knicks. Westchester. Westchester Knicks. Sounds very regal. Um, so two guys maybe in the future, but not quite yet. So that's all I had for trivia. I'll try to do better next time. No, I don't. I don't want you to think those are bad questions. They weren't bad questions. I, I was just. I was. Just, I just had to guess a lot more than I would have liked to. Okay. I think I'm just getting insecure because I did so badly on them. That's probably it. That is probably it. Let's wrap this thing up. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So again, as DJ said earlier, free 10 days of access to Rotowire. If you want that, Rotowire.com/pod. You can have access to all of our NBA stuff. If you're still alive uh, in your NFL fantasy football. Not if you're still alive that was in general. A bad pause. Yeah, well, that was I mean, a you're, you're going to need to be alive to use the site. Like that's just kind of how it works. But um, if you're still alive in your fantasy football leagues, we still have plenty of content over these last three weeks of the NFL season. Hockey, we're getting into esports, whatever that is. You can do that. Um, baseball, obviously heating up. The mag should be out in a couple months. So always fresh content for whatever sports are coming up, whatever sports are going on. Uh, be sure to check that out at RotoWire.com. And of course, we like to thank our sponsor, DraftKings.com, the leader. In daily fantasy sports, again, we'll be running those Rotowire championship competitions for the last three weeks of the NFL season, so be sure to sign up for those. Again, the qualifiers will run the next two weeks with the championship in week 17.